Welcome to Harvest Talk, the podcast of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. Harvest is a community church with a vision to change the world, and we do that by reaching people and building their lives. For more information on Harvest Community Church, please check out our website, hccgoshen.org. And as always, I am Pastor Jeremy, and it's an honor to spend a little bit of time with you today. And we are going to be jumping into chapter two of Philippians uh, today on our Secret Church podcast series. Again, it's a podcast series where while I'm away on sabbatical, pre-recorded a study through the book of Philippians, and we're kind of taking on the mantra of the idea that all over the world there are churches that gather in uh, very dangerous settings, and so they don't have the ability to do things that we can do in our Bible studies or on Sunday mornings where there can be uh, you know, great teaching tools that we love. It's usually just in the, the secret settings. It's, it's, a, it's a man or a woman with their Bible and a group of people that are trying to study the Word of God. Uh, live out hope in very dangerous situations, but do it in a way that people, uh, that they, they're relatively undiscovered for uh, security reasons. And so that's kind of what we're doing, taking a book of the Bible that I love very, very much. <clears throat> Excuse me, and over the summer, I'm just kind of taking uh, basically 20, 25 minutes at a time as we pick up wherever we left off in the last passage. And so we are looking at the book of Philippians. As we have said uh, in previous podcasts, uh, the book is written probably uh, about 30, 32 years or so after the death and resurrection of Jesus, about, oh, I don't know, about 15 years or so after the conversion of Paul. <coughs> um, and, uh, and he is in prison in Rome, as you can find this towards the end of the book of Acts. And uh, he had an opportunity to write uh, a series of letters, or several, not a series, several letters uh, to a group of churches in a similar geographic uh, region, um, Ephesus, uh, Philippi, Colossae. Um, we probably believe that uh, they, there are other churches, uh, other letters that went to Laodicea. Basically, the seven churches in Revelation were all uh, in a similar uh, area, and, and these letters would have circulated kind of in that area. And so... Um, he's writing this letter to Philippians, which is actually different than the other letters he written he wrote because this church knew him so well. This is a church that he loved very deeply and knew him very, very well. And so he's writing a little bit different context. Plus, we'll find out in a little bit or in a couple of weeks that there's a conflict going on that kind of helps define the nature of uh, this letter. And so today we're picking up in chapter two. We've done two podcasts through chapter one. I'm kind of review where we were last time as we ended <clears throat> on this idea of living, uh, Paul calls it uh, worthy of the gospel or worthy of heavenly citizenship is what the kind of the Greek brings out. And that the key focal point of living as worthy citizens of heaven is first of all, standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by your opponents. And we talked about how Paul really did believe that and, and the reason this is so important to understand, the reason you're supposed to live this way is because in our life we're granted two things. Uh, the word in verse 29, the word granted is a grace gift, is built off of charismatos, the same word where we get uh, charismatic gifts from. It's a grace gift that God gives us as part of our Christian walk. And he says that two of them that we're granted in this life is our belief, our faith in Jesus, and the second is suffering. We're going to suffer because we are not living in where our citizenship is. We are not full. We are not living in heaven yet, and so we are living essentially in hostile territory, and that is going to bring about suffering. And that's where we kind of ended last week. And what we also talked about is what we've seen already 
in a pattern of uh, uh, chapter one are places where Paul seems to be setting the Philippians up to really ask the question, what are the most important things and what are lesser things? And we should not let the lesser things destroy the more important things. And so that's kind of where we've been, excuse me, over the last couple of um, couple of podcasts. And so today we're going to be kicking up in uh, chapter two. I'm going to try to go through oh, roughly verse 13 uh, today. And so this is what it says. Paul goes on, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Okay, I want you I want you to see this, okay? We're coming off building the key to living as citizens in heaven is one mind, one heart, striving for the side by side for the gospel. And then you're going to be cast into a world where you're going to suffer. And so in the midst of the suffering, how do you find encouragement in Christ? How do you find comfort in his love? How do you participate in the spirit with, with affection and sympathy? And then he adds in the personal note, how do you complete my joy of, of being your spiritual father is really what he's saying. How do you do these things? How do you find these things in the midst of, of, of persecution and, and, and trial and suffering? And he says this one. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. Okay? Now, I want you to catch this. He doesn't say this without a reason. Okay? At this point, if, you, if you're carefully reading the text, you're starting to pick up on something. Okay? Because, because he's talked already about one-mindedness. Um, and he's also talked about rivalry okay and he's going to come back to that in just a second <clears throat> excuse me so something is going on in this church where they're one mind one love and being in full accord is is attacking it okay and that's where he's moving towards and he says this do nothing from rivalry or conceit okay now here's this is really really important i want you to catch this okay because earlier in in chapter one he talks about people that are preaching uh, while he's in prison, out of rivalry. And he says to them, listen, I'm not worried about it so long as they're preaching the right gospel and the message of Jesus is getting out, okay? But he doesn't excuse the hard attitude. I want you to catch this. He still says, listen, don't you do anything out of rivalry. Those preachers might be preaching out of rivalry to me, thinking that it's their opportunity to raise their platform while I'm kind of held down, but they're preaching the right gospel, so we're not going to attack them. Why? Because we don't want to violate one mind, one heart, those kind of thing. They're preaching the right message. But you, on the other hand, don't be like them. Don't do things out of rivalry. Don't do things out of your own pride. In fact, strive against it. How? But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. What I love about Paul's teaching here is 
he's already given an example and now he's teaching. Give an example of chapter one that that he's excited about being in prison for the sake of the gospel because others are starting to do what he's already always done. And here's this man that has already planted more churches than, as far as we know, anybody in the first church ever planted. He's, by the time we're done, written more number of books than anybody is going to have written in, in, in the first church. Uh, he's going to have more significance in terms of shaping theology than anybody had in the first church. And yet he's saying, I'm counting them as more significant than me. Out of humility. And that's how we, we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look at others and the contributions of what they are as having more significance than ourselves. And he says it then in verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. I like the way he says this because it's not that you can't have self-interest. Like, in fact, I would argue that it's impossible for humans not to be self-interested. But he's sitting there going, don't form a camp around your interest. Don't form a, a hill around your interest. You have to, at all times, factor in the interest of others. And it's interesting, I never really thought about it this way, but if you put it in the context of looking at others through rivalry and being in one accord, what Paul might be subtly doing here is getting us to understand, even if you just take into account the interest of others, you're actually going to set yourself up to understand them more. One of the worst places we can be in relationship is where we've closed ourselves off from putting ourselves in another person's perspective. And so what Paul is here is saying is this, is that, listen, even if all you're doing is looking out of others' own interests, you're going to set yourself up where you can live in one accord and understand other people and live in unity and work things out. But then there's just a responsibility to make sure we're taking care of one another. And so that's where he's going with this mindset. Okay, And then after kind of shaping this teaching after already giving examples from his life, he points us to the ultimate example. He says this, Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay? In other words, he goes, listen, this is the mindset that someone who follows Jesus has inherited. You are having this mind, which is yours. Why in Christ Jesus? And, and Paul's subtly saying is this, is you don't have to think the way everybody else thinks. You don't have to think the way the world thinks. You don't have to think the way you used to think. You get to think differently. And that, why? Because you are a citizen of heaven and you've been given the mind of Christ by being granted belief in him okay so what is the mind of Christ who though he is in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing taking on the form of a servant or a slave being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross Okay, so I want you to get this. <clears throat> Paul says this was the mindset of Christ. Notice the themes he hit here. Having the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay, now here's the deal. Paul is not saying here anywhere in this passage that Jesus wasn't God. What he's saying is this, is he was God, but when it came time to do the work of the mission for the glory of God, he did not hold on to his own interest, if you will. He did not hold on to his position. 
he did not hold on to his his place. He did not hold on to his status. But he made himself nothing. He let he let go of the privileges of remaining in heaven to take on the form of a slave. Okay, it says servant here. It really is a slave. Um, and, and honestly, that's, 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 those are the actions that Jesus took when he's here. He washed people's feet. Uh, he served. He died a criminal death. Okay, so he, he, he took off the regal robes of heaven and put on the sackcloth of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. See, here's the thing we don't understand is just God taking, assuming, uh, taking on human flesh was suffering. The limitations that Jesus had to do, had to experience while simply walking around, things that we consider normal for him was suffering. And then it goes on, it says, so that was his mindset. I'm going to set everything of privilege aside in order to become the lowest of the low. Why? For the sake of the cause. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So while being in the form of a slave, he humbled himself again and went to a wrongful death, a criminal's death, a death of a traitor, a death of an enemy of the Philippians. The enemy of Rome would be an enemy of the Philippians. He went to that death. So the mindset of Christ, again, is humility, submitting to suffering, submitting to judgment in order to advance the message. And so then it says in verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess Lord Jesus, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The, the overarching message that Paul is going to say in this book is that the way up is down. The way to exaltation is humility. The way to glory is, 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 uh, is slavery. The way, to, uh, the way to joy is unity. And the way to joy and unity is to set aside things that are less or important but you have a strong opinion on in order that others can thrive. Jesus humiliated himself on behalf, in order to, um, in order to achieve the cause of the of, of the gospel, and because of that, God gave him the highest exaltation possible. He gave him his throne in heaven. And then this is just a little side note. What I like about here is that so that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Every every person that has ever lived at some point in time is going to come to the realization that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. The mindset of Christ is a mindset of humility, of, of thinking of others' interests along with your, your own, a willingness to take on suffering and slavery to achieve the things of God. It goes on, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Therefore, because of the mindset that Jesus has given you, because of the actions that he took on the cross, you need to obey this thing, Paul says. He says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Now, here's the thing. He's not saying that you earn your salvation with works. Okay, remember, we're going all the way back to what has been granted to us by Christ is to believe in Him. The faith to believe in Him has been granted to us by grace. That's all the way back in chapter 1, verse 29. But if you go all the way back to chapter 1, verse 27, where we're talking about live in a worthy citizenry manner, that's kind of what I believe He's tying in here. Therefore, knowing what it means to be a citizen, knowing that you've been granted to believe and to suffer, knowing that you're called to have like-mindedness, knowing that Jesus took on this mindset, you need to work out your salvation. What does that mean? You need to work out the reality that you don't belong to this world anymore. You've been saved from how others think. You've been saved from how others act. You've been saved from how others are motivated. And you need to work that out with fear and trembling, knowing that because God did it, because Jesus did it, it has a higher sense of urgency than just being a good idea. Unity, humility, working with one another is essential. It's essential because Jesus did it. It says, because, why, why, why must you do this? Because it's God who works in you with the will and to work for his good pleasure. Why, why, do you work, why do you strive with this to work out your salvation and heavenly citizenship? Why do you work to become that? Because ultimately, if it's been granted to you to believe, it's God who is at work with you in this area. And he works in you both to want to do it and to enjoy doing it. Will and work for his good pleasure. See, again, Paul's pointing us back to grace. Grace has been given to us. The mind of Christ has been given to us. We don't have to think the way other people have to think. And then we, he also grants us the power to work it out so that we live the way that he wants us to live. What ultimately is required is surrender. And like oftentimes we, we think of surrender as surrendering to God. And that to us, to sometimes, it, it, I'm not saying it can't be difficult. It can be. But oftentimes... It can also be easier because it's kind of this amorphous realization, like like none of us has ever seen the face of God in, in, in reality. But then what it also causes us to do, though, is surrender some things with how we work with God's people. And that's where it often becomes more difficult, and that's actually what's going on here in Philippians. These are fervent people, people that uh, clearly love Jesus, clearly love Paul, but there's a conflict going on in the church that is causing people to, to have a hard time surrendering what they need to surrender in order to live in unity. And that's where Paul is ultimately going uh, here in the next uh, few, <clears throat> well, we're still about a chapter and a half away from it. So we're going to end there, verse uh, 13, actually. We got all the way through 13. We'll pick up in verse uh, 14 next time. Let me, let me pray uh, for us, and we'll wrap up uh, our this edition of Secret Church. Uh, today. So, Lord God, we just thank you, first of all, uh, for giving us your mind, that we don't have to think the way the world thinks. Lord, we thank you for laying it down, down your prestige and privilege in order to die on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for rising again and assuming responsibility for all creation as the ultimate exalted Son of God. 
And so, Lord, we just ask that however this, these things touch us, Lord, however these mindsets touch us, Lord, places where we're upset, places where we've been proud, places where we don't want to work for unity, places where we just need to put on your mindset, that, Lord, you would work in us to will and to do those good things. And so we surrender those things to you today. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, hey, listen, thank you again for listening to Harvest Talk. And as always, until next time, keep reaching people and building their lives. Take care.